0: Good morning, everybody. Good morning. <laughs> How you doing? I you ready to dig in? Sean, I, I texted with Sean. And it sounds like the pastor's conference is really good. Been, if, you, if you follow him on Twitter, you can kind of get a feel. Or they'll look up his Twitter feed. You can get a feel for some of the stuff they've been studying at the uh, pastor's conference. He's got some really good quotes, but looks like they're having a good time. He's posted pictures of good time, of uh, in and out a couple times, so um. <laughs> so I mean, he's having a good time, I think. But we're going to be in Romans chapter eight. I can't seem to get away from that book. It's probably because it's my favorite. Um, chapter eight is probably my favorite ver- chapter in the Bible. Although you know they're all really good. There's a there's a lot of really neat sections, but is just so chock full of cool stuff. Um, so specifically, we're going to begin verses 12 through 17, and then we'll bounce around a little bit from there. But let's pray. Father, we just uh, ask that you would speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. That we would um, be open to what you want to show us, Lord, about your heart towards us, Lord. You you use pictures and and human constructs to show in a way we can understand your heart towards us. And, and Lord, I just pray you would really um, hear from you. You would open our eyes to how much you love us and the kind of relationship you want to have with us and how much you really care, Lord. And and so Lord, I just pray you would uh, speak through me and um, speak to our hearts tonight, Lord. We thank you for this beautiful day and um, the privilege of gathering together as your saints as a body, Lord, to worship and to study your word. and. Um, thank you so much for your word. It's such a blessing to our lives. um, Again, we just ask you to be present here in this place. It's your name we pray. Amen. So tonight, we're going to be talking about adoption. So most of you know, Julie and I are in the process of adopting Caleb. Hopefully that will be finalized here in uh, about two months. We're really excited to have that going on in our lives. We're very blessed to have him in our life, and. Most of you probably don't know that I'm adopted. Um, I was adopted as like a six-week-old baby. I, I revived my family. I was an abandoned baby, and um, found in front of a doctor's office in Westminster. And uh, then I was brought to a foster family for a few few weeks, and then I was with my forever family for as long as I can remember. My parents are my parents. I don't I don't spend my life thinking about the fact that I'm adopted by them. And, um, so as we've been going through this process of adoption, it's, you know, I was, I was praying about what to teach when John asked me to teach and Julie said, we should teach on adoption. And it was, it was just so from the Holy Spirit because I was like, man, there's just so much there that we could talk about. And, and adoption is a picture the Bible uses a lot, um, to, especially in the new Testament. It's not mentioned in the old Testament. It's not a very Jewish concept in the Jewish, Jewish way of thinking, um, you know, the way the Romans thought about adoption is totally different than the Jews would have thought about adoption. But the um, New Testament was written to a very Roman mind, so it's a picture that Paul uses a lot to express some of God's heart towards us. Um, there are three people, there's, there's maybe a couple more, but three main people in the Bible that were adopted. Can you guys, do you guys know who they were? top of your head. Moses, there's one. Next one is Esther. Remember, she was raised by her uncle. She was adopted by her uncle. And the final one is Jesus. Jesus' earthly father was an adopted father, so to speak. His, his, his biological father was, was God, but his earthly father was an adopted father who, who took him in as, as his own. So we, we have those, those three people, um, but there's also a lot of famous people throughout history that were adopted. Aristotle was adopted. Alexander the Great was adopted, which would really surprise me. Um, Marilyn Monroe was adopted Bill Clinton was adopted Babe Ruth Nelson Mandela George Washington Carver there's a whole long list of people who were adopted Um, and it was a very especially in Roman times we'll get to this in a little bit but it was a very common thing in Roman times especially with the emperors because they could choose who their successor was through adoption Um, so a lot of the emperors were adopted it was often a family member or a close relative or somebody they knew very well, but they would adopt their successor to choose who the line would continue down through if their own kids were knuckleheads, which often was the case. So, um, we are in Romans chapter 8, verse 12. i want to read the first couple verses here, and then we're going to kind of dig in to a few things that I really see in this section. So he says, in verse 12, Therefore, brethren, we are debtors, not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if you live according to flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, these are sons of God. We get adopted by Christ by our faith. Our faith in Christ is what allows us to be adopted. In John 1.12 he says, But as many as received him, to them he gave the power to become sons of God. Even to them that believe on His name, which were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. When we when we give our lives to Christ, when we surrender our lives to Christ, the Bible uses the um, the idea of um, being born again. We are a new creation. When we're born again, our new father is God. He's our new father. We're adopted into His family, and it and it's a it's a really amazing picture because. Um, I just as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about how much we have through our identity. We we, we we cling to so many things in this world for our identity. I mean, how much time do we spend on our appearance? On our you know, when you meet somebody, what do you ask? What what what's your job? Where'd you go to college? Where are you from? These are all things that are part of how who what we're made up of. Um, you know, how many kids do you have? Are you married? All these things are part of our identity and as as, as you know, as, as unbelievers, we we come to the table with an identity. You know, maybe maybe mistakes we've made in the past. Maybe you know maybe maybe we have a temper or, or or we have you know an addiction or or any of these number of things that we come that are part of who we are. You know, from Adam, we received that our our you could say our our physical our biological forefather was Adam, and from him we received the sin nature. And then, from our earthly fathers and our families, we all, we all, we, we all grow up with with scars and, and those scars cause us to have certain attributes and some some people you handle them better than others, but we all have sin in our lives and and, and god says i 'm going to give you a new nature i 'm going to give you a new identity and the Bible uses that image that that the first Adam brought us sin, but the second Adam Jesus, gives us a new identity it 's a, it's a new identity we have a new set of you know, um, we, we have this new set of relatives, the people we're related to. I'm now, my, my, instead of my earthly father, who was flawed and broken, my, my new father is perfect, is loving, is good. And, I, and I, I can, I'm inheriting those traits as His Spirit regrows me as a new person, rebuilds me, builds His character in me. So we grow in the fruit of the Spirit. Um, we often inherit new family, new friends, we have new traditions, you know. As as as, as people, we always have traditions. Like you have family as a Christmas tradition, or a, or a you know, a, a tradition about any number of things. We get new traditions. We get new habits, new tastes, um, you know. And and all these things are the makeup of who we get to be with our new identity. And that new identity just comes through faith. By faith, we're saved, and we get a new identity in Christ. Um, you know, our old identity before Christ is lost and broken. And we're slaves to sin. You know, Romans, Romans 6 and 7 talk about us being slaves to sin. And, and that's a very appropriate picture in the Roman times. Because in Roman times, there was 120, 130 people, million people in the Roman Empire. And 60 million of them were slaves. So this is something they thought of. They understood very clearly. And, and adoption was often a common way that slaves could get a new identity. Because as a slave, you didn't have much hope. I mean, you, you were kind of controlled by your master. You were controlled by your debts. You have very little control over your destiny. But oftentimes families where they were unable to, either they were unable to have kids, or their kids were not living in a way where they wanted to pass down the family line and the family possessions to them, they would choose a slave and raise him as, from a young boy to be their heir. And he would get chosen and adopted as their son. And according to Roman law, as a son, you were a full son. There was no like, oh, he's adopted, and he's a half-breed, or he's half- family. No, he was a full son. He had the rights of a son. He lost his old identity. He was no longer connected to his old family. He couldn't inherit stuff from his old family. He was not responsible for his old debts. He took upon himself the new debts of the family, the new possessions of the family. He was a full son. And what's amazing is also, as a son who's adopted, you could disown your biological children as a Roman, but you could not disown an adopted son. So when you made that choice, it was permanent. It was now a permanent son. So It's it's an amazing picture. Um, You know, before Christ, we we have this identity that often is made up by our mistakes, our trials, our regrets. Um, You know, our sin separated us from God. But in Christ, he can redeem those things. You know, much as an adopted child. You know, I was adopted at a very young age and I came to know the Lord at a very young age. But let's say you were adopted at six or seven. You have you have six or seven years of life experience before that, and, and that never goes away. Like, you, it changes in your new family. You get new traditions and new new experiences. But what you experienced before is still sticks with you. And as as unbelievers, maybe maybe got saved it later in life. You have that. You you still have those old experiences, and they're part of who you are. And, and God can redeem that, um, just much as like. An adopted child can, can be loved in a family and, and doesn't have to like, pretend like that doesn't exist. You know, it's interesting, the, the new position on adoption is these, what they call open adoption, where you have the opportunity to know your birth parents, even if they give you up for adoption or, or, or choose to, to have you adopted. They, they still have some access. And it's, it's really interesting for me. I was abandoned, right? So I, ha- I have nothing to go on. I, I, I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day. Um, I don't know a single person that is physically related to me. I've never met somebody that I'm related to. And even even now, I, we, we, you know, we've adopted our child. I, even my child is not physically related to me. And it's an interesting thing. Um, I'm, I recently took a uh, a genetic test um, with a company called 23andMe, and there's a possibility that they can find relatives if they're in their database to me. I'm, I'm really excited about that because I, I kind of want to know You know who I'm connected to because where I come from matters. You know, it's part of who you are, and God doesn't like say, "Hey, whoever you were before, it's it's completely gone." It's still part of who you are. Now, now the sin nature, He's done away with that. Our sins, they're gone, but who we are is part of who He wants to use us as. You know, the the mistakes we've made in the past, God can use those. They may be an open door for ministry. They may be, um, you know, keep you humble. God is going to use that stuff in your life. It, it, it's part of who you are. So it's it's amazing to look at at who we have, you know, our identity. And often as believers, I think um, as you look at this section, he talks about um, we are sons of God, and, and we don't have to live according to the old nature, according to our flesh. We could put it to death in Christ. But I think often as as believers, we don't walk that way. We kind of get hung up in that. And I think the devil is you know, more than happy to perpetuate that. Yeah, you're a believer, but I really know who you are. I know what you've done in the past. I know your mistakes. And, and, and I think often as believers, one of the places we get most stumbled is we don't hold on to our new identity in Christ. One of the amazing things about adoption, and, um, and in Caleb's case, this won't happen. Well, it will happen, but it won't. When you get adopted, you get a new birth certificate. No matter if you're seven, eight, nine years old, you get a new birth certificate with your adopted parents on the birth certificate. And most of the time, the name changes. You know, All my sisters, were there. seven of us were all adopted. My sisters had different names before they were adopted and after they were adopted. My parents would take the name usually and change it a little bit or take the name and make it the middle name because they wanted to honor the birth parent's choice of name and, and, and keep some of that connection. In Caleb's case, he's... He's my sister's daughter that we adopted, a son that we adopted. So she asked us what we were going to name him, and so we gave her a name. So his name will not change, but he will get a new birth certificate. But do you know, as Christians, we get a new name when we're adopted. It says in Revelations two seventeen, "He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches." To him who overcomes, I will give some of the hidden manna to eat, and I, get, I will give him a white stone, and on that stone a new name will written which no one knows except him who receives it you've got a new name and only god knows it when we get to heaven we'll get to find out what that name is but it'll be like a special name that only you and god get to know it's really interesting to me that that it says which no one knows except him who receives it it's like this you know maybe it's like a pet name like you might have for your spouse you don't share with anybody or something it's like this really special intimate name christ has for us and our new identity it's going to be so cool to find that out. But I thought that parallel was really interesting. When we get adopted by Christ, we get a new name. We get a new nature. We get a new identity. We get a new family. We get a new set of traditions. Um, you know, one of the things I like, to, I like to, to think about being adopted adopted is your parents were stuck with you. You know, you came out and they're like, Oh, oh I guess we got to keep them. My parents picked me. You know, they had a chance to say, oh, no, if they come back, you know, if they you know, if I was a little older, they may have done that. But I guess it was a cute baby. So they didn't know it was coming. But your parents were stuck with you. But Christ wasn't stuck with us. He chose us. It says in um, Ephesians 1, 4 and 5, which we're going through on Sundays. Um, we're going through the book of Ephesians, but it says, just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame, before Him in love, having predestined us to adoption as sons by Jesus Christ to Himself, according to the good pleasure of His will, to the praise of the glory of His grace by which He made us accepted in the Beloved. You know, It says there, having predestined us, like before you were born, God was pursuing you. I mean, like, like the circumstances of my life, I have no doubt we 're orchestrated by the Lord that I might come to know him. I was, I was adopted by a godly family that taught me about the lord i, I don 't remember a time when i didn 't understand stand that Jesus loved me. My earliest memories are Sunday school and and knowing singing Jesus songs about Jesus, and i mean, 'm coming up with all these songs i 'm singing to Caleb i 'm like, "Oh man, I remember we had four and five singing, "Father, Abraham," had many sons i don 't know if you ever sang that, but it was like um, the hokey pokey for Christians, you know and you do your right arm, and then it was the left arm, and you know, and, and all these songs they come back to me. Um, but, but I have that because the Lord ordained my life to bring me to that point. And each one of you, He's pursued you. and says He predestined you. He planned to adopt you. He planned to bring you into His family. It wasn't an accident. And I think we need to remember those things because sometimes we can feel like, man, I'm, I'm a knucklehead. Did God make a mistake? The Word says He doesn't make mistakes. He chose you, and He has a plan for your life, and He can redeem. Even, even no matter how far we've gone, He wants to be a part of your life and wants to use you and change you. And all that identity is, is wrapped up in the word idea. The word saint. We are we are now saints. Some people think saint is like oh saint Saint Matthew or Saint Mark or all these you know, the Catholic churches. are venerated saints, where there's this whole process of you have to you live a certain kind of life and then perform a miracle and then then they vote on whether you can be a saint. Well, the idea of saint in the Bible is we're all saints. Just just we when you're a child of God you're a saint. That's our new identity, and we need to walk in it. So. Let's read on. Verses 15 of, um, verse 15 of chapter 8 says, For you did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption, by whom we cry out, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ. If indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. So, in the, in the Roman world... Part of the point of adoption was for the inheritance. The family, um, the, everything about the family would get passed down to the, the oldest son. The property, but the traditions, it was like a very proud thing. The Romans in some ways worshipped the family. Like, like, like the, the, the next in line was responsible for maintaining the family's identity in the world. You know, we're, I'm a Johnson, so you know, I'm going to raise you to carry on the Johnson line and our traditions and who we are. Um, but also, he received the family land and the responsibility of for caring for the family, the extended family. Because what you had was how you cared for those in your family. And, and so, as Christians, we also inherit things from God. And, and it's, it's a, it's, the more I dug into it, the more I realized you could probably teach for months on the things we inherit in, with God. I mean, the whole idea that is said a couple places that we are heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ is this massive theological s- subject that I, I just barely broke the, su- the surface of because it's like co-heirs with Christ. Well, let's see. What is Christ going to inherit in heaven? The entire universe. You he's the king. He's everything belongs to him and we're co-heirs with him, which means we share in that. I mean, it's this, it's this massive concept. But in this verse, I see a couple things that um, that we we receive from God. And first one in there is in verse 15. It says, for you do not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you receive the spirit of adoption by how we cry, whom we cry out of the father. So the first thing I see is we receive freedom from fear. And, and and fears is this, this thing that can you know overwhelm us. It can really trip us up. And, and there's a lot of things we can be afraid of. Um, I think we can be afraid of um, sin. We can be afraid of death. We can be afraid of our own failures or or the future. Um, the law. I'm I'm afraid of the law. Man, the law is heavy. Here's what you should do. And, man, that's scary to me. And you read through the, the test, New Testament, sometimes you're like, the standard that God's called us to is heavy. We don't have to fear it, though, because we're children of God. Well, anything God's called us to, He's provided the resources for us to, to achieve if we trust in Him. We've received freedom from fear. And, and I think fear is one of those things we have to be very careful of in our hearts. Because in the Old Testament, as you read through the stories of people like Saul, Saul made some pretty dumb decisions, and most of the time it was out of fear. He was afraid of what people would think. He was afraid of um, failing. He was afraid of looking bad. Fear is just this thing that we have to be very aware of and bring to the Lord. Because perfect love casts out all fear. And if if God is God, then there's nothing to be afraid of in this world. Because God's already overcome it all. And, and, and we can trust in Him. So, so we receive freedom from fear. But a big part of that is... This, this phrase here, where it says where we by whom we cry out Abba Father, there's an intimacy in that phrase. Abba Father, Abba is kind of a it's a um, Aramaic word, but we don't have a real word that, that, that parallels it other than maybe the word daddy. It's like the most intimate way you could talk to your dad, and the, the Creator of the universe has said we get to cry to him, daddy. A very intimate, personal. Relationship is established, um, which is just an amazing thing to me. Um, I think I think for some some of us who maybe didn't have a good earthly father, maybe didn't even know our father, or 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 father was the worst possible kind of father. That is a challenge when you when you come to to God because because we naturally apply our understanding of our fathers to God, you know and. And and so we we well my dad treated me this way even subconsciously we think well God's going to treat me this way, but God wants to show you what a perfect Father is. He wants to show you what a f- perfect Father is like. And and so if you, you you have that past where you don't know your father, your father was not a good influence, or your father fails you at some point. God God is what you should cling to. And that intimate relationship and say, Lord, teach me, teach me what a father's supposed to look like. Love me the way I was and loved growing up. And, and, and soften your heart to him and see how he, how he ministers to you. It's a, it's a powerful thing he wants to show us. That relationship with God is, is, is just an amazing thing. In fact, I think at some points it was scandalous to the Jews to think that somebody would say they have a personal relationship with God. It's one of the things they got mad about Jesus. He said, I'm, I'm God's son. And they're like, if you're God's son, then... You, you, you know, the idea of sonship in that, that time was you were on par with him. That means you could inherit everything he has. And they were offended by that because he was claiming deity by calling himself son. You know, and, and God uses that same term, term with us. Not that we are going to be deity, but like he has that same love for us that he has for Jesus. Um, one of the powerful things I read was that in Roman law. If you were a co-heir, so we're co-heirs with Christ. If you're a co-heir, then um, it talked about how he could not he could not lose. Um, if he can if he gets the inheritance, you get your portion. Like you're, 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 your 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 future is tied to him. And I'm pretty sure Christ is going to get his inheritance. He's going to get what God's promised him. So we have like this confidence that if God's going to get what he's promised, we as co-heirs have, have our right to our portion. Not, not that we're going to be like, hey, Jesus, give me my stuff. But like in the sense that like, we can have confidence that if God, Christ has done everything perfect, we can trust in his finished work on the cross and that, that eternally we have that, um, that, that position. So I I have uh, this is kind of in my notes right here. So I'm going to kind of hop into it. We've been talking about about Roman adoption. So so I'm going to talk about probably the most famous Roman adopted person. That would be Augustus Caesar Octavius Caesar Augustus of the Bible, also known as Gaius Julius Caesar Octavianus, whose decree taxing the world brought Mary and Joseph to Bethlehem, where Christ was born, was born into the imperial family. His mother. Atia was Julius Caesar's niece, and his father was Caesar Octavius. But his father died in 59, leaving him to be brought up by his mother. I think that's 59 BC. When Caesar, his great-uncle, was assassinated in 31 BC, his will received that he had secretly adopted Octavius and anointed him his successor. He ruled long and successfully and was succeeded by his adopted son, Tiberius, in 14. Um, I think it might be 14 AD. Augustus is remembered as one of the great emperors of Rome for his role in fulfilling Old Testament prophecy, for his opposition to Antony and Cleopatra, and as the man for whom the, the month of August was named. And after his death, he was defied by the Senate. So there's kind of one of those pictures where 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 the Romans would have taken this idea of adoption and been like, we know what that looks like. You know, it, it's something they understood. So back to our text. It was kind of a rabbit trail, but I wanted to kind of share that with you. So the next thing I see that we receive from Christ is verse 16 that says, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirits that we are children of God. And the next thing we inherit from Christ is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit's like this down payment on what God's going to do. He's like, I'm going to work in your life, and the down payment is I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in your life. And it's a powerful thing. I, don't, I, I think we often don't... Um, they don't understand what a blessing it is to have the, the Holy Spirit. All the Old Testament Christians didn't have the Holy Spirit. It's such a blessing to have. I mean, Jesus said, like Jesus, when he was on there, said to the disciples, it's better for you for me to leave. Like You're like, how is it better for Jesus himself to leave? And he says, it's better for you if I leave because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit and he's going to be my spirit in you all the time. Like, you know, Jesus could only be one place at one time and he could only spend so much time with so many people. But His Spirit is in all of us. And, and it's a powerful picture. And he said, you know, the things you've seen done here are greater things than that will you do. And, I, and he, I think he was referring to with the Holy Spirit working through us. The Holy Spirit is God's power for righteousness in our lives. You know, we've talked a lot about grace. The Holy Spirit is, you know, how God is what grace gets flown through into our lives. And it says in um, Romans 8.23... And not only creation, but we ourselves who have the first fruits of the Spirit grown inwardly as we eat, wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. And he's referring to in Romans 8 about the idea of first fruits is what we think of as, as tithes. It was God's, like, here's the beginning of what I'm going to do in your life. I'm going to put the Holy Spirit in your life. And you know, he talks about wait eagerly for the adoption as sons. And that's, like, in the sense of a lot of Bible concepts. We are adopted as sons now, but like it's not complete. We're waiting for that fullness that will happen when we get to heaven. When when that adopt, you know, kind of like Caleb, we've we've adopted him, but it's not been finalized. You know, it's we're waiting for that date when we can stand in front of the judge and the judge says, I you know, I put my stamp of approval. This is final. This is legal. This is complete. And and our our adoption to Christ has already been completed, but. Like the fulfillment of it will be complete when we get to heaven. We get our new nature and our new bodies, and 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 we're with Him permanently. But our, our, you know, but we get the Holy Spirit as that as that down payment on that, and it's a powerful thing. Um, Let's see. So it says in Galatians four four through six. Let's let's go. Let's go. Let's flip there. I'm going to have you flip to Galatians four. We'll read it together. This is another place where he talks about this. Adoption is mentioned a couple of times in Galatians 4. is definitely a section he talks about it. And he says in Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, But when the fullness of the time had come, God sent forth His Son, born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those who were under the law, that we might receive the adoption as sons. And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your hearts, crying out, Abba, Father. Therefore, you are no longer slaves, to, but a son. And if a son, then an heir of God through Christ. So he, he hits a couple of the things we've talked about in there. He talks about how um, Christ came, born of, a, born of human. You know, he, was, he was born of a woman. He was under the law, but He came to redeem us. Now that idea of redeeming is, you know, that's the idea of like there was a debt that we owed and he paid it to free us from that debt and when he died on the cross he paid that debt redeemed our lives purchased us and and that was often a part of becoming an adopted son that the, the debt had to be paid because a lot of slaves were slaves because of debt you know you were it was it was a, it was an agreement i owe you so much money that i'm going to become your slave okay that sounds good and and they would they would work their debt off Jesus paid that debt for us, and that was part of Him adopting us. You know, a parent would say, "Well, you're a slave, but I'm gonna I'm gonna take care of that debt, so that now you can be my son. I'm gonna adopt you to be my heir." Christ did that, and then He says in um, verse six, "And because you are sons, God has sent forth the Spirit of His Son into your heart," which which is an amazing blessing. Um, you know, there's so many other things we receive from Christ. Um, back in Romans Romans eight, um, just the the idea of being children of God like it's such a special position, like God sees us as his children and and you know i didn 't know at becoming a father, you just find you have this love and patience for your kids that you can 't imagine I, I just you know I find like things that I would never do, middle of the night, you know body fluids everywhere you 're just like hey, you know you don 't care, I, I just have this like i 'm like, why does this not drive me crazy? I should be exhausted and angry. But I don't, because I love Him. Like, God has changed my heart and given me this love for Him. And if that's how I care about my son, Hebrews talks of, no, it's not Hebrews, but in, in the Gospel, Jesus says, if you as, a, as an earthly father love your children, how much more does God love us? You know, If, if your imperfect love is, is so vast for your, for your children, how much greater is God's love for us? You know, it's, it's a beautiful picture that, that he really is like, man, I love you so much more than you could imagine. Um, you know, that idea of being Abba father, I thought of the idea of um, kind of one of the more famous stories that comes to mind is JFK Jr. Here it is, John F. Kennedy was the most powerful man in the world. He was the president of the United States. There's one person who could walk anywhere he wants in the White House. Anytime, walk into the Oval Office and climb up in the lap of the president, and that was JFK Jr. This little boy. He was famous. This nation, I wasn't alive back then, but you know I've read about how the nation was fascinated by this little boy, who had just complete access to the White House because he was he was his son. You know, the Secret Service weren't weren't going to stop him. You know he could walk up and say "Daddy" to the President of the United States, the most powerful man in the world, and and God is the most powerful thing in the world. But we can walk up. Climb in his lap in the middle of all the things he's responsible for and say, Daddy. You know, it's it's an amazing gift he's given us. Um, you know, and, and even um, a relationship with Jesus. I I've just been blown away by how much we have in Jesus. You know, this this relationship we get to have with him of of him being our you know, our, our 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 Savior. But like you know the like you know, it talks about in John one how The Word was God and the Word was with God. You know, that that the Word is God, that the Word is Jesus, and Jesus is the Word. And as I study the Word, I'm just blown away by God's love for us through the Word and our access to Jesus. And, you know, anything we need in our life, the answer is usually Jesus. You know, and we we get access to Jesus through this, we get life through this adoption. It's an amazing thing. The next thing I see in there is not as pleasant. It says um, in verse. 17, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and join heirs with Christ. If, if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may be glorified together. You know what else we get? We also get to join the family that the world hates and the devil hates. You know We've identified with Christ. So we're now we're going to suffer. We, we are now part of this family. And this family is a very persecuted family. And so suffering is one of the things we inherit. Which... Which, you know, sometimes there's different kinds of suffering we go through as a Christian. We go through suffering that's discipline. The Lord allows things in our life either for, to correct us or to grow our character. Um, um, you know, Hebrews 12, verses 5-9 through nine just talks about that. How a loving father disciplines his son. If you don't discipline your kids, you don't love them. Oh, well, I want to show them love by never disciplining them. No. They're going to be a mess. And... Uh, You know, like structure is important because they need discipline. They need need boundaries. They crave them because it makes them feel secure and it teaches them the things they need to be, you know, safe and productive adults. Um, It's God's love when He disciplines us. It also says in John 16.33, Jesus says to the disciples, "...these things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace." In the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. You know, Anytime you hear the prosperity gospel where they're saying, hey, you know, if you have enough faith, you'll be healthy, wealthy, and happy. Don't buy it. Because they are running contrary to Jesus' own words. He said, the world hated me, they're going to hate you just as much. If the world persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. And, and so I think um, you know, that idea that man, man, we're going to have to suffer in this life it's, it's, a, it's an honor, though. We get to suffer with Christ. You know, like, like in His name. And, and the Lord says that, that we will be rewarded for those sufferings. So that those sufferings don't go unnoticed. That there's a lot of honor in that. You know, the martyrs have such a... Like I think of Rome, um, Revelations where the, the martyrs are standing beneath the throne going, Lord, when are you going to punish the people who, who have persecuted us and killed us and chopped off our heads? And God said, I'm, I'm... And in the Revelation, He says, I'm going to take care of it. It's time. And, and God cares about our suffering, but he allows us to go through it because Christ went through suffering it was part of part of him showing his obedience and I think God wants us to grow and learn and, and learn to trust him through it um, final two things i think I see i don 't see it specifically in here but it's it's implied is eternal life um, romans nine eight says um, this means that it is not the children of the flesh who are the children of God, but the children of the promise that are counted as offspring, you know, the, and he's talking about the Jews. The Jews were this children of promise, but but the Bible says it's those who who have faith like Abraham. You know, Abraham trusted the Lord, and it was credited to him as righteousness. And that righteousness is the thing we need to get into heaven. And so through this adoption, we also receive eternal life. And then the final thing I see here is um, at the end it says if indeed we suffer with Him, that we may also be glorified together. We're going to get to enjoy the glory of Heaven, which which is an important thing. I think um, Jesus mentions it often in the Gospels as we're studying in our community group on Monday nights. We're studying through Luke. And I'm struck by all the parables He teaches about that say, your life is really short. So keep your eyes on Heaven. Keep your eyes on the eternal things. Because when you get your eyes stuck on here, then our problems seem very large and our, our needs seem very large. I'm hungry, I'm tired, I'm frustrated, I'm cold, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. I, I don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. But when we have that eternal perspective and say, and there's this amazing glory ahead of us, it, it gives everything else perspective. And it keeps our hearts right. It keeps us focused on what matters. Because you know another dollar or a new car doesn't matter eternally. It doesn't matter in 10 years. You buy a brand new car that's the coolest car in the world right now. In 10 years, it's going to be a 10-year-old car. And you're probably not going to be driving it anymore. I think the things we see as so important in an eternal perspective are not. And, and I think God wants us to have our eyes on His, on the glory we're going to experience and receive because it, it, it redeems where we are now. It helps us have the right perspective and treat everything, including our trials. When I mean, you go through trials and you're like, what's the worst that could happen? I die. Cool, you know. I, I suffer for a while. What's the, what's the longest I could suffer? I'm I'm 30 years old, so 70 years, you know. I I don't know, 60 years. It can't be that bad compared to eternity with Christ. It's it's an amazing thing that that we have to look forward to. So, kind of in closing here, um, I I guess I guess what what the Lord really spoke to my heart was that. Um, these things are ours, but we don't live our lives like they're real. You know, we go, okay, I know I'm adopted. I know God loves me. I know He wants to put a new nature in me and change me and bless me and work in my life, but man, I don't really trust Him for that. I'd rather trust in what I could see. I don't know. That's all true, but right now I'm, I'm overwhelmed by this trial in front of me or this thing in my life that's not the way I want it to be. And, I, and I, I think God wants us really to, as we read through the Word, hold on to His promises, like like live with them as if they're real. God promises something; you, you can count on Him. So so live your life like it's real. You know that's what faith is. Faith is is the evidence of things unth- unseen. You know it's it's the it's the us acting on what we know is true. And and that's part of why we're going to be in the Word every day. Is, is Every time I'm in the Word, it's like, oh yeah, I forgot. That's true. You know, we get to read God's promises. We get to see His character. We get to see how He dealt with people. You know? Um, we get to see His heart revealed through His Word. So I, I just feel like it's such an important thing for us to be constantly remembering who we are, what our identity is, that when condemnation comes, when when the world beats you up, when the devil says you're a failure. It's not about what we feel or or what our circumstances are, it's about what God says about us. You know, we're adopted sons of God. We're we're co-heirs with Christ. You know, nobody can walk up to Caleb and say, Well, you're not really Nathan's real son. I've often said that before. They're like Who's your real? So you don't know your real parents? And I'm like, man, you can't get any realer than you know, a couple thousand diapers over two or three years. That's as real as it gets. You know. Like, like my parents are the ones who fed me and take care of me and loved me. I don't, I don't think, well, you're not my real parents. My real parents are somewhere else. Now, these are my real parents. When I meet my birth parents, I'm going to be you know, like, oh, cool, it's nice to meet you. It's nice to know where I come from, but, but my parents are always going to be my parents. Because there's the one who's, who loved me. The ones who took care of me—that's my identity. I'm a tailor. Maybe I was a Johnson or a Franklin or whatever my last name was was before. I am a tailor, and Caleb is a tailor, you know. And, and and we have to hold on to that new identity, and and it'll it'll serve us well through life. Finally, I want to read that same section we just 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 uh, read through from the J.B. Phillips translation because I really like I like the way J.B. Phillips. Um, My buddy Avant gave me my J.B. Phillips translation, and it's a a blessing to me. So here's Romans 8, verses 12 through 17 from the J.B. Phillips. So then, my brothers, you see that we have no particular reason to feel grateful to our sensual nature or to live life on the level of the instincts. Indeed, that way of living leads to certain spiritual death. But if, on the other hand, you cut the nerve of your instinctive actions by obeying the Spirit, You are on the way to real living. All who follow the leading of God's Spirit are God's own sons. Nor are you meant to relapse into the old slavish attitude of fear. You have been adopted into the very family circle of God. And you could say with a full heart, Father, my Father. The Spirit Himself endorses our inward conviction that we really are the children of God. Think what that means. If we are His children, we share His treasures. And all that Christ claims as his, will, as his will belong to us, to all of us as well. Yes, if we share in His sufferings, we, we shall certainly share in His glory. And I just like the way that kind of, you know, in, in, in such a beautiful language, kind of shares God's heart through this section. So, let's pray. Lord, um, we thank You for Your love for us, Lord, the way You've pursued us, the way You chose us. The way you have given us a new nature and a new identity, and uh, doesn't matter what we've come from, what we've done, Lord, you've 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 forgiven that. You 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 see your word says that you cast our sins as as far as the east is from the west, and there's just no measuring that; it just goes on forever. And Lord, we thank you for um, your Son coming to die on the cross for our sins, Lord, that gives us that access, Lord. And I'm so thankful for it, Lord, because we can come boldly before you. We don't have to. Um, feeling insecure about our shortcomings or, or wonder if you're unhappy with us, Lord, because you've, you've dealt with all that, Lord. And, and I pray we would just grow in understanding our identity in you and your love for us and your desire to work in our lives and your desire for us to understand who we are as children of God, Lord. And um, I just pray that as we're in your word, as we spend time in you know, worship and in prayer, that you just speak to our hearts to speak about, about our identity in you. And um, you just show us how much you love us and, and that we would grow in our boldness and confidence and, and be um, fruitful vessels for you, Lord. I pray for those who are, are going through trials and suffering, Lord, that you would just sustain them and encourage them, Lord. Um, I know we're all at different different stages and different, different places in life, Lord, but you're so real and so desire to... To be where we are. Or to go go with us through those things. So Lord, we just give our lives to you and just ask for more of you each day. And it's in your name we pray. Amen.